I think it's really important for us as we're trying to lead ourselves, which is, by the way, the most difficult job you'll ever do is lead yourself. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on all around us and explore the disruptive convergence of technology, business, and people. Here are your hosts, Ira Wolf and Jason Cochran. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Geek Skeezers and Googleization, a show from the People Forward Network. I'm Ira Wolf, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. And I'm Jason Cochran. If you think this is just another podcast, think again. We are the voice of the most important and crucial conversations that are confronting business leaders and people today. And our goal is to bring you ways to reimagine tomorrow and explore the impact and convergence of business technology, and people. Jason, you know that anytime our both of us get to talk about leadership, it's a good day. And especially on Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And we've just had the last few weeks some extraordinary guests talking about that. And today they seem that they're all going to come together. But no one ever seems to talk about leading yourself. We, we talk about self-awareness. We talk about emotional intelligence. But you know, I teach a master's level graduate program uh, in leadership. And I went back and I looked at the curriculum and no one's really talking about leading yourself. They're talking about leading others. It's always about how do we get other people to follow or how do we get other people to do things, the things we do to engage them. Uh, but it's always leaders that seem to be doing it to other people, but not to themselves. Now, there are some leaders that have taken great strides and built their, their self-awareness up. They've got high EQ or emotional intelligence. They've got high adaptability quotient. We talk about that a lot, uh, but they don't seem to, but most people seem to want to know how, what skills do other people need to develop? So we've got a great guest today, and we, we got to thank you for the introduction and also uh, Nikki Llewellyn, uh, part of the People Forward Network for that. Uh, and we're and her name is Sarah Entries, and she's going to help us expose what she calls our invisible roots. Uh, and we talk about those by different names, but they were beliefs uh, that we tend to ignore, uh, but like roots on the tree, they tend to hold us back. Um, almost the opposite of what Dr. Gary Sanchez was talking about was what's our why? Even if you knew your why, if you have these roots embedded in there, and so here's my why, but I'm too old. I'm too, you know, I, I'm not, I don't have the time. I'm not in the right place. Um, nobody's going to pay for it. Uh, so we always come up with these excuses. So uh, her first book was called Invisible Roots, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, it also is a great follow-up to last week's episode with upskilling and reskilling with Mike Kritzman that just uh, the podcast just launched uh, the other day. And I mean, you talk about upskilling, not many people talk about upskilling yourself. By the way, I mentioned those other episodes uh, for, for uh, about finding your why and upskilling and, and reskilling. And you get all our episodes on your favorite podcast channel, or you can go to geekskeezersandgoogleization.com. Perfect. And uh, Ira, I think it's time for our favorite segment, one of our favorite segments in the show, The Perfect Labor Storm. Do you have some perfect labor storm stats that really uh, fit well with our topic today? Well, you know I do. 
That's my favorite part. Uh, so on each Geek Skeezers and Googleization episode, we've turned our focus to one disruptive, surprising, or worrisome trend that we believe that everybody should know. So today's Perfect Labor Store of Trends is about leadership development and leadership. So 55% of CEOs in 2022 said developing the next generation of leaders is the top challenge in business right now. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of stuff going on. So more than a half of CEOs say that development is important. Now, I've been in this field, in this business for 27 years, and I've been hearing it for 27 years. So uh, maybe this is the year we'll get things done. 63% of the millennials in the same report indicated they aren't being developed. So I don't know who these, I don't know what the CEOs are, are doing or where, where their target audience is, um, but millennials, by the way, are now in that prime age for leadership. They are between the late 20s, but mid 40s. Millennials are now in their mid 40s. Right. This is the group that needs to rise to the occasion. Only 11% of HR leaders believe they have a strong leadership bench. So there's a huge gap here. And 83% of businesses say it's important to develop all leaders at all levels, yet less than 5% of the companies have implemented leadership development at all levels. Wow. And Ira, there's another side to this leadership coin too that I want to get into with Sarah today. I was chatting with a friend and fellow business owner last week, and he used a term that I'd never heard before. I bet you've heard of it though, followership. And at first I thought he was talking about the number of followers that somebody has on social media channels like LinkedIn, but that's not what it is. It turns out the followership is actually the reciprocal process of leadership that describes the willingness to follow within a team or organization. And this topic doesn't get near the amount of attention that it should. In fact, if you just hop on Google Scholar, if you search for leadership, there are nearly 5 million results. If you search for followership, 29,000 results. However, if you're gonna have people to lead, then there have to be people who are willing to follow. And so as we discuss this today and we unpack leadership um, and what it means to lead ourselves well, I'm also curious as to what Sarah thinks uh, is necessary for leaders in terms of, do they need to be good followers first before they can become great leaders? Oh, absolutely. So it sounds like we need some upskilling on the followership part as well and reskilling. So a lot of work to get done. Uh, right before we bring Sarah on, I want to make remind everybody that by listening, simply listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization, we hope you're learning things, uh, you can earn SHRM credits. So it's very, very simple. Go to googleizationnation.com. If you're not already a subscriber, please do that. But you don't have to be a subscriber to get the credits. Uh, you can go up, just click on podcast. Right on the podcast, there's a, a form, a link to our form. Uh, fill it out to show that you listen to it. Ask a few questions and we will send you the activity code. So you can earn anywhere between a half to a full credit for our episodes. Uh, while you're there, as I, as I suggested, if you're not if you're not on our, our list and you're not a member of uh, Googleization Nation, please subscribe. It's free uh, and we won't bombard you with uh, whole lots of emails, but uh, important events for sure. And then finally, uh, while you're if you're listening to this as a podcast, uh, please rate it. Rate the show. Leave a short review. Let us know what you like. Share share the word with others. If you're watching it on uh, YouTube. Or Facebook or LinkedIn, uh, please leave a comment. And again, please share it with others. So now seems to be a pretty good time to bring on our guest now that we've we've put her on that pedestal, Dr. Sarah Antries. And let's bring her on. Yeah. 
Hi. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. I, I was listening to all the stats that you guys were sharing and I'm like, wow, this is going to be such a cool conversation. So I can't wait to get started. Absolutely. So maybe where we start, Sarah, is just telling us a little bit about you and your journey and what got you interested in leadership development. Sure. I worked for um, 14 years for five Harley Davidson dealerships here in Ohio. I would say that's kind of the start of my career. And one of the things that as an individual, I was like, how do I become successful at business? Because I wanted to be good, you know, and I started to watch other, the people who I considered to be leaders. And I noticed like they were interacting and building um, relationships with people and really presented themselves as leaders. And I was like, well, how do I become a leader? So I started working on my personal leadership. Then I was like, oh my gosh, I took a class in my MBA program on organizational um, strategy. And they talked about bench strength. And I looked around our organization and I was like, oh my, if all of our managers win the lottery tomorrow, we don't have our next level we would collapse. There's nobody who's who's being trained and um, being prepared to take over as the leaders. So I got very passionate about leadership development. I wanted to understand, you know, how do I help people become leaders in our organization? And since I was doing all the research anyway, I thought, well, maybe I should just do a PhD on, on organizational leadership. So I did my PhD while I was working full time, which is really hard but it's very beneficial because I was able to see things that I was reading as theory in action in the workplace. And I think that made a huge difference. Yeah. Sometimes there can be a little bit of a mismatch between research and application there. And so kind of piggybacking off of that, are there some that you recall where you're like, wait a second, this is what we're reading about, but this is how it actually is in business. Are there any of those things that came to mind that still stick with you today? Um, most of it is around communication. You read a lot of stuff about how to be an effective communicator and you go out in business and you're like, holy cow, nobody's doing these simple things that would make a huge difference in, in communication and relationship building. Um, but I don't have anything that was a super aha. I, I have a question. So let's get to, to help clarify what leading yourself means, because that, although it, to me, once I heard it, it's like, boy, we never, I've never thought of it in those terms because as I mentioned in, in my intro, we talk about self-awareness, self-awareness, how important that is. And so everybody does the self-assessments and you may have a coach and you learn about yourself. Uh, and that, I assume that's part of that. Uh, or people talk about uh, emotional intelligence or EQ, developing that. How, talk about what, I think it seems that you've taken it to another level of, of not just self-awareness and leading uh, an EQ, um, but more actionable. Maybe that's the, the word I'm looking for. So um, when I was doing my PhD research, one of the things I ran across was um, West Point Military Academy has this, this thing, they call it be, know, and do. And they say, hey, there's certain things a leader has to know, there's certain things leaders have to do, and there's certain things leaders have to be. And what I realized is that in business, 
we, when we're trying to develop leaders and in, in education right now, when we try to develop leaders, we talk about the no and we talk about the do. But the B piece, which is like our character and our identity and our worldviews and all of that, we kind of ignore it because we expect that the individual is going to just do it themselves naturally. And depending on how you grew up, you might not even be aware that you have multiple identities and you have different ways that you show up and the way you were raised affects how you see the world. And so that's what I get into in my book, Invisible Roots, is because all of those things, even when you say, so for example, um, I was raised really, really religious. My, my parents, I mean, like long dresses, no makeup, no jewelry, nothing. I mean, it was like, and your only ex expectation as a woman was to grow up, get married and obey your husband and maybe have babies. But other than that, there was no expectations for a woman. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't apply to me. I am not going to do that. So as soon as I turned 18, I left. But what I've realized is even though I've left that every once in a while, I have to revisit that route and, and check myself because I'll find myself saying, oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, what, where did that come from? And I'm like, oh, that was one of those, those things that I've said no. And I think it's really important for us as we're trying to lead ourselves, which is by the way, the most difficult job you'll ever do is lead yourself, right? You have to get over all of those invisible roots and you have to get over the way you view the world because we limit ourselves with our mindset, which has been programmed into us. And most of the time we're not even aware of it. I, I, I love, I love that. It's the most difficult job you'll ever do. I, I, I for those watching, you probably saw me writing it down uh, the most, and it is, it truly is. I mean, we're, we're a work in progress and we all have those invisible roots. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we had uh, another great guest, Alex Perry, and we were talking about uh, fake it till you make it. And we're not good at it. And it's like, hey, we we need to do that. We're, we're, we need to add lib. We need to become more adaptable. And I talk about, and Jason talks about adaptability all the time. Um, but, there, but a lot of people aren't very good at faking it. They're, they're uncomfortable. They, it's, and, and I guess the invisible roots, I guess in some ways is linked to what Alex was talking about was with the uh, being having that imposter syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be aware of it because if you're not aware of it, that is it's happening back here in the back of your head and it's instant. It's like split second. And you, you talk yourself out of doing amazing things because you don't even, you're not even aware of it. Once you're kind of aware of it, you can be like, Oh, that's what that is. And I'm not going to believe that. I, I never like to assume this, but we, you know, we, uh, a core part of, of my being and what we talk about in the adaptability program is fixed in growth mindset. So, it, I mean, it seems that the roots of this, a, a lot of this is embedded in, in your approach. A, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to constantly be getting what our things, right? Our invisible roots out of our head and visible to us so that we can fix it and grow. Right. If we're not, if we're not uncomfortable, then we're probably not growing. And a lot of this kind of work, this work that says, Hey, let's look at these beliefs that I have about myself. Let's look at the beliefs that I have about other people. That's 
it's difficult. It's difficult to to all of a sudden come to an understanding that something that you believed was true wasn't true and you've believed it your whole entire life. And then you got to decide, okay, now that I know that this is no longer true, how do I move myself to the next level? And Sarah, what does that look like for leaders in particular? So when when we were promoting your episode today, uh, I had a quip from famous business expert, Ted Lasso, who talks about, you know, taking on challenges is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're not probably, you're probably not doing it right. Right. And so I'm curious in your work and in, in working with leaders, what is it that gets them to that point of once they become aware of some of those roots that causes them to see the world in a certain way where maybe they don't interact well with others or, or are able to, to get the best out of others. What are some tactics, techniques, or tips that you walk through to help them not only get that awareness, but then once they're aware of, oh, wow, I got some stuff I need to work through here. How do you help them work through it? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I use is mantras. And here's the reason why. So when we become aware of something, um, it might be just a fleeting awareness and then it goes underneath again and we're not, we're not paying attention to it anymore. So when I, I had a problem for a long time, I, I believed I wasn't good enough and I really struggled with that. So I created a mantra. It said, I'm a professional. I know what I'm talking about. I've paid my dues. I am good enough. And I put it on sticky notes all over the place. And I'm sure my husband thought I was crazy even in my car visor. And every time I saw it, I read it out loud because I wanted to create, you need to create conflict between that old belief and what the new belief is that you're trying to convince yourself of so that you can continue to raise your awareness. And what I found was every time I um, thought I wasn't good enough, I would just stop myself and I say, you know what? That might've been true before, but it's no longer the truth. The new truth is, and then I repeat my new mantra. And it took, I would say, it took me probably six months to a year to no longer have to tell myself that anymore. And I think a lot of times because we watch movies and um, instant gratification, right? We see the, the hero and he exercises for like 20 minutes in a movie. And then he's the most fit he's ever been in his life. And he goes out and defeats whatever the big obstacle is. Well, we believe that instantly then that we should be able to conquer whatever issue we have in 20 minutes. And it's really important for us to understand that it's not a 20 minute fix, right? We had for myself, I had over 40 years of believing that about myself or thereabouts. How do I expect to fix fix 40 years of mindset in a really short amount of time. And I, I feel really grateful that it only took me a year to kind of fix that. So one, one thing I do is mantra. The other thing I think is really important is um, being aware of your inner critic. Like pay attention to the things that you're saying to yourself. I know, um, there, there's been times, and I, maybe you guys have experienced this too, where I say really mean things to me that I would never say to another human being. And so if the things that you're saying to yourself, you wouldn't tell your best friend, stop saying them to yourself, right? I decided 
um, when I was going through this whole process to be my biggest fan. And so if I come up with a crazy idea, I'm my biggest fan about it. If I do something really crappy and it turned out terrible, I'm still my biggest fan about it. So what does our biggest fan say when we fail at something? You know what? It's okay. You you can do it. I'm sure you'll just have to redo a little bit. And then the next time you do it, you're going to be fine. Right? And so it's really just managing all that internal dialogue stuff that we come up with. You know, Sarah, one of the most fascinating research pieces I've ever come across in a book that I read, um, I can't remember the, the author's name, but the name of the book is called you're not listening. Great name for a book to catch someone's attention. And she she goes into the, the science and research behind that inner voice that we all have, the inner dialogue that happens. And in one of the chapters, she talks about how uh, MRI studies of the brain have proven that our parts of our brain activate in terms of our inner dialogue. The same parts are activated as when we have a conversation with another human being. So when we have those negative limiting beliefs and those negative thought patterns, it's the same as having a conversation with another person who's saying those mean negative things toward you. And just think how terrible that would be. But we live with that inner critic every day. And so I just want to thank you for bringing that up, that so much of this with the mindset starts with how we talk with ourselves. And I love what you shared about putting the post-it notes out there of one of the best ways to do that is you got to start retraining how you talk to yourself during the day. Um, uh -huh. Even if your friends or your spouse see the sticky notes and think you're crazy, sometimes that's what it takes in order to get over that hump towards developing the growth mindset like Ira talks about. You talk about coincidences. I don't know why this popped up, maybe because you were going to be on the show today, uh, Sarah, um, but there was an article and I thought it was a new article, but it for some reason it popped up on my feed this morning and it was written in 2019, but it quoted uh, Voltaire's, uh, and he talked about perfect is the enemy of good. And, you know, that that just fits so well with, with our conversations about fixed and growth mindset uh, that people need to be perfect. And, oh, I can't be a leader. I'm not very good. I can't go out and speak. Uh, but part of it is, is, is doing things incrementally. And, and, and again, I think that's what you suggested. Uh, is that I'm better than I was before. If you learn something, you know something more, and maybe you're, you know, let's talk about speaking because it's one of the number one fears people have is going up and, and doing some public speaking. And yet when they, but the fact is, is that if they even spoke in front of a handful of people, that might've been an improvement. They don't have to be perfect. They, we all, everybody makes mistake. I mean, talk to any speaker. I mean, they, they think it looks easy that you went up there and it just flowed, the words just flowed out of your mouth and you never aired. Uh, and for, and I guess that's one of the benefits of live TV now because you see people flubbing all the time uh, and especially with the remote work. But I, that, that quote popped up this morning and it seems so fitting for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, and what you're talking about is that perfect is the enemy of good. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about, we mentioned followership. Um, and, and again, I, I, that's really part of leadership. Um, even as good leaders, they're followers. They're, who, who, you know, as a leader, who else should I be listening to? Who should I be following? And, and often it's like when it gets pretty lonely for, for many leaders because they either other people put them on this pedestal and they put them at the top that they should have all the answers and do everything. But the best leaders are sometimes followers or they're followers of other people. 
So can you talk about a little bit about followership, where that fits into this? Yeah. So you were absolutely right. Every leader follows somebody. And if you're not following somebody, I would be a little bit nervous about your growth potential. So if we want to grow and we want to become the best leaders we can be, we have to be following someone else. There's always somebody who is ahead of us, no matter what we're trying to develop, if it's our leadership skills, if it's our business skills, um, whatever skill it is, there's somebody who's ahead and we should be following them either in person with relationship or via podcast or books or whatever we can do to give ourselves the information because they know stuff we don't. The other thing that I think is, is very important for us to pay attention to with, with followerships is also um, in general, the relationships that we surround ourselves with on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's a lot of research around, we become like the five people we spend the most time with. And so if I wanna be a successful business person and I wanna be a successful leader, I should be surrounding myself with other people who are successful and who are trying to grow and develop. What we don't realize often is, um, and this is kind of painful, it's not easy, but um, people we grew up with may not be the right people for us at this where we're at right now. And I'm not saying you can never hang out with them again, but if you just pay attention to the people who you are currently surrounded yourself with and listen to how they talk, listen to the things that they're talking about. If they're talking about the world is collapsing, then guess what? You probably have that same mindset. If they're talking about the potential there is and the growth opportunities there are, then guess what? That's probably the same stuff you're thinking about and you're focusing on. So the things that I try to do for myself is I try to practice really good followership. Sometimes I, I put myself into situations that I'm not super comfortable. So I wanted to grow. It's so funny how this works out. I wanted to grow um, and understand more about economic development in our communities because it's something I feel like it's kind of important if we want to have good communities. So I started to serve on the economic development board at, for Tuscarawas County super duper uncomfortable i don't know anything about this topic smidge like like a pin drop of information about it right but because i'm serving on that board i'm surrounded by leaders who are very passionate about it and it's giving me an opportunity to grow and learn so i think i think it's important for us to kind of pay attention to to who we're following and who we're surrounding ourselves with i love that sir and for me ira real quick I'm a tech executive and I can't write a single line of software code. <laughs> so you want to talk about feeling uncomfortable. I get in meetings with developers and I'm like, okay, this has gone way beyond what I understand really fast. Yeah. One of the things um, that, that I'll challenge you on a little bit, Sarah, well, not a challenge, but just kind of a different perspective um, is that you said that, that leaders always look to people that are ahead of them. And I think in today's world, sometimes it's looking at people that just do things differently. They may mm. not be ahead of you. They just have a right. different perspective, you know, with yeah. that. And I, I think that's really important because, you know, the higher you go up, the fewer the people there may be that you want to lead. And there's a lot of people that we shouldn't be following, but a lot of people seem to be, <laughs> to be following. We won't go down that road too far. Um, but when we come back, we need to take a short break. But when we come back, uh, one of the, the the issues that is out there, and it's really challenging, love to get your perspective on it, especially leading yourself, is that 
that leaders are now challenged with being more authentic, more vulnerable, more transparent. Yet at the same time is um, sharing too much information. I mean, especially at a top level where, you know, it breaks confidentiality and so forth. But even about yourself, I mean, that fine line between being authentic, transparent, and oop, cross the line too much, maybe you can bring some clarity to that. Uh, that's a challenging, but we'll give you a heads up to think about that uh, for about one minute during our break. But we want to thank everybody for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we've got a great conversation going on about leading yourself. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk a little bit about adaptability, which fits into this conversation incredibly well. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about auth authenticity, vulnerability, transparency, and sharing a little bit with Sarah. So stay tuned. For most of us, change is freaking terrifying. And unfortunately, there's no app to adapt. That might change in the not so distant future, but for now, we're on our own. That means we can either accept our default future or reimagine our tomorrow. For those of you who choose default, good luck. Just remember, there's no pause button for change. You can't turn back the clock. And there's no get-out-of-jail-free card in this age of perpetual uncertainty. Like it or not, change will happen all around us. And that change is not becoming just more disruptive and frequent, but volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, or VUCA. Fortunately, you can make change work for you and turn it into your personal and competitive advantage. Reimagine your future to one in which you're living with purpose, you're happy, and you're growing, thriving, and flourishing. If you're ready to rewrite your next life chapter and regain control of your destiny in this never-normal world, your journey starts here. Contact the leader in adaptability and making change work for you, your team, and your organization. Ira S. Wolf, adaptability.expert. Hey, welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, everyone who's a part of Googleization Nation, we thank you. We've got Sarah Andres today. Uh, we've been talking about uh, one of our favorite topics, leadership, leadership development, and something that uh, Jason and I hadn't really thought about, but leading yourself. Uh, and when we left off, uh, we, I posed, we posed a question. So Sarah, you had a few minutes, two, two minutes or so to, to think about this. How you know, one of the challenges that we have is lead that everyone needs to be a little bit more authentic and vulnerable, but especially leadership. Uh, and now we've got the, the inflation and, you know, the economy's in, in upheaval. There's so many things going on. And, and I, I saw the other day, it's like the day of the humble, kind CEO is going away again. And it's like, okay, in the heyday when everything was going good, and during the pandemic, we can be authentic and vulnerable, but that was a different time. And now we got to go back to the way it was. Uh, I don't think that's true, but I think it's very challenging for anyone, but especially leaders, to walk that tightrope between authenticity and sharing too much. Can can you put shed some light on that and how that fits into your conversations? Because I, I know you've got some guidance in your books uh, about that. So I think the first thing is, uh, as leaders, we need to understand who we are as as people. And we, we need to know that about ourselves. 
So quick story. I worked with um, a, a, a colleague of mine and she could fire people and they would still be her best friend. She was just able to connect people and just told them like that. I can't do that. That's not my style. That's not the type of person I am. I can fire you and you'll feel okay about it, but you won't be my best friend. And that's just, that's, that's how I am. That's how I show up. But if I tried to be like that other leader, it would be, um, it would be bad. It would be so bad for everybody involved. Right. And I think that's what's the piece of it is so important about being authentic. It's about being really truly who you are. So for me, I'm not always a touchy feely, thoughtful person. I've actually, instead of being, um, authentic in, in trying to fake it, what I do is I'm purposeful about it. So I want people to know I care about them and I don't normally show that. So I'm purposeful about it. I go in my calendar and I mark when I want, and I set myself reminders a week out to make sure that I do something that even spontaneous, cause I'm not a spontaneous person, but I schedule spontaneous, spontaneous things for everybody else because I want to be that because here's the truth. We work with people. That's it's all about relationships. And some people need different things from us as leaders. Some people need us to be talking to them about their families and their kids. And other people want us to talk about where they are on the scoreboard and how they're going to win. So we need to be able to understand who our people are as people who we are, who are, who we are as a person ourselves, and then connect in the way we connect. It will be authentic if we're being purposeful about it and, and not trying to be fake. I don't know if that helps or not, but that, that those are my thoughts on it. I think that's tremendously helpful, Sarah. Uh, I think the key word there that she said is connect, right? It, it's not as much about like feeling like you have to change yourself and be something that you're not, but it's it's almost kind of like the, the platinum rule and you need to understand your people well enough that you understand how they want to be connected to in terms of leadership. And so that means the way that I engage with Sarah on a conversation may be different than how I engage with Ira. The end goal is the same. You know, we're, we're trying to hit a certain type of goal together. We're all on the same team. But how I'm communicating with Sarah might be very different from from Ira. And I'll tell you, someone this isn't a business analogy, but going into the world of professional sports, I'm in my early 40s. And so as an Indiana Pacer fan here in Indianapolis, I got to see way more of Phil Jackson and my uh, or, yeah, Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan than I ever wanted to see with the Bulls because the Pacers could never get past them in the playoffs. But one of the things I could even tell as a kid that just fascinated me was how he handled the different personalities on that team. Because remember, you had Scottie Pippen, who was always in the shadow of Michael Jordan. You had Dennis Rodman at one point, which, I mean, that's just completely different. But I think that's why they called Phil Jackson the Zen Master, is he had this masterful way as a leader of understanding how other people wanted to be approached yeah. and how to coach them up. And it sounds like that's what you're touching on there, is that, it has less to do with you as a person and sh like shape, shape, sh uh, shaping or shifting who you are. It has more to do with establishing those connections on a deep enough level that you understand what makes your other people tick. 
so that you can connect with them in those authentic ways to know how to be able to coach them up. Is that accurate, you think? Oh yeah, that's absolutely accurate. And I think the other important piece of it is to remember as I, when, when we started the conversation, I said that voice, that critic in our head, everybody has it. And so as, as leaders, we need to make sure that we are helping our people understand that they have that critic and that critic's not always right and helping build them up. Most people don't have self-confidence. So I, you know, because I'm aware of that, because we're aware of that as, as leaders, we should be aware of that. We can help them build up the self-confidence they need to be the type of person they want to, how they want to really show up in the world. And I think that's maybe one of our biggest callings as leaders, um, leading ourselves well so that we can do that for other people. As I was listening to you, you describe of, of that uh, authenticity, vulnerability, you know, sharing challenge that, that we all have. I, I, I don't know why this popped in my head, but I've been using DISC, the DISC mm-hmm. profile for years. Many, many people may be familiar with it if you're not, similar to the Myers-Briggs and, and a lot of other tools that are out there. But the DISC is described, at least in, in, in the way I would learned it, as an observable language. It really is our mannerisms, the word we use, uh, but it's an observable. So I, I couldn't help think, and I don't know why this didn't hit me before, that I know when people get the reports, they go, you need to share them with other people and verify that they're right. You know, is there anything wrong? And people go, I don't want to share this with somebody. Then they'll know, they'll know how to get to me. They'll know how to tweak me. They'll know all my, my weak spots. And I go, they're, you're the only person in the room that doesn't know about all this right now. Everybody else knows your strengths, your vulnerabilities, uh-huh. your weaknesses, your challenges. Um, but it's always so ironic that people think that they're guarding it. And when I ask, listening to you answer that question, it's really being just recognize that everybody has these roots. Everybody has these yeah. challenges. And it's not, if, if you're going to wield it as an instrument, then don't wield it as a hammer. I mean, this isn't, and it's with anything else, is, is that it's a tool that we can use to improve ourselves. It's also a weapon if you use it incorrectly. And, yeah. and I think that's the challenge. People have just been abused and taken advantage of in the past. So we can have a, we can go on all day with this. And I'm sure we have a million analogies that we can bring up. And Jason, I can't believe you brought up the bulls because that's, that's the story I always say that Phil Jackson took three really superstars. This, and any other team, they would have been dysfunctional. They would have been, they would have been trading their MVPs. And despite none of them liked one another and there were all their whole sense of other characters that were part of that but that was that was a brilliant leadership uh how it absolutely was for 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 many many years and you think about now super teams in the nba that's a popular thing but so many of them aren't working uh and it's because you know they don't have the leadership that helps them gel together and now it kind of looks like steve kerr maybe he's that next phil jackson who has those leadership traits that's able to blend those personalities together for sure Sarah, before we, we're coming up toward the end, um, but before we leave, we always like to ask, before we get into our, our lightning round questions and learn a little bit more about who you are, we like to ask to make sure we didn't miss something that we should have talked about. So is there, any, is there anything that, any question that we should have asked you that, then now's your chance. Well, I don't think that there was a question that you should have asked me, but I will offer this that if people want to check their internal stories, 
I use a very simple um, technique. If you fill in the blank for these three, uh, the first word that pops in your head, right? I am, and then fill in the blank. I'm too, fill in the blank, and I'm just, fill in the blank. And then look what words you wrote down. And that can be the start of your internal conversation with yourself about what do you, how did you come up with that? Like, where did that word come from? Because often we um, assimilate those words to describe ourselves from people who didn't care anything about us or from people who did care about us, but at a time when we were maybe not as mature as we should have been at, as, as we were growing up. So that's a, a quick way to assess yourself. Love it. Awesome, Sarah. And with that, we're going to go into our lightning round before we start wrapping up here. So just a few rapid fire questions here to get to, to uh, know you better on a personal level. Let's start with this one. You wrote a book called Women Who Ride, and we know that, that you love to ride motorcycles. So what's your favorite motorcycle? Oh, I have a bunch of them. But um, right now I am riding a Honda Rebel. I absolutely love it. It's just this little tiny uh, bike and I'm able to whip it around corners and stuff like that. Um, my dream bike to own would be a Harley Street Glide because it has a radio and I could jam while I was riding, but it's kind of big and heavy. And so it takes a lot more uh, muscles to get it to back up if I park the wrong direction. I love that. And I love that you ride a, a motorcycle model that's called the Rebel. Based off of what you shared earlier, it sounds like that is very apropos for your brand. <laughs> yes. Love it. Love it. How about this one? Let's uh, go back to high school. What is something that your classmates would be surprised to see about Sarah Andres now? So actually, I'm surprised about this as for myself as well. Um, in high school and actually all through um, grade school and high school, I really struggled. And I am shocked that I have earned my PhD because if you would have asked me back then if I would have any continuing education. I'd have been like, no, as soon as I can get out of school, the better it will be for me. And now I have a PhD and that's just crazy. Awesome. And similar to that, how about a, a book or a person, a mentor, something that has uh, really influenced your life and, and your journey in leadership? Yeah. So I've been super lucky. I had, um, I've had two mentors that, um, the first one was Tom LaRochelle. I worked for, he's passed away, but I've worked for him at the Stark County Board of Realtors. He was the first person who actually, um, talked to me about being a professional because I never viewed myself as a professional until he had the conversation with me about, Hey, professionals keep track of the things they're doing to improve themselves. And he planted that little seed about, I could be a professional. And I think that was, that was very impactful. And the other one was Mike Davis. He was, he owned the Harley Davidson dealerships, him and his wife, Francine, that I worked for. And he had a big influence on my leadership development and how I, um, how, how I basically, I grew up in, in their organization and um, it was a great experience. Awesome. And last one, if you could pick any superpower, what would you pick? Oh, I ask my students this all the time. So um, in the winter, I would pick teleportation so that I could go to Florida <laughs> and be warm and not have to drive or fly to get there. So for sure, that was a superpower that I would want. <laughs> awesome. I love it. 
And I'm all about that teleportation. It's like with all the uh, supply chain issues, flights getting canceled. Like if you, you could just be like, hey, I'm going to Aruba and make it happen. That'd be pretty amazing. Well, Sarah, um, as we wrap up here, uh, thank you so much for joining the show. And before we let you go, uh, please share with our audience and listeners some ways that they can get in touch with you and learn more about the leadership development work that you do. Sure. So they can just go to my website, sarahandrews.com. And um, there's all kinds of information on there. But if they scroll all the way to the bottom, there is a button. They can schedule a meeting with me if they want to talk to me. Um, I have 30-minute um, spaces in my calendar for that. Um, they can also email me if they would like. Um, my email is sarah at wisewoodllc.com. And, and I think there's actually a, a button that says email me on my website as well. So they could do that. Perfect. Sounds great. And for everybody that's listening, it's just spell it out. It's S-A-R-A-H and A-N-D-R-E-A-S. So not, thank you. We're going to miss some of those for, for those who are listening. So if you're watching, you get to see the scrolling bar. But if you're listening, you may not. We want to make sure you get to the right place. Sarah, thank you so much. This was, uh, this was really a wonderful conversation. There were so many ideas swimming in my head. Uh, relating that, Jason, uh, you're probably doing the same thing, relating it to other conversations that we've had with other people. And uh, again, this will just uh, en enrich those. So appreciate it very much, Sarah. Thanks very much for joining in. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thanks for having me. Well, that was fun. That was. Uh, it seems like almost every week, Ira, something ties into adaptability or growth mindset. It's amazing how many things really kind of flow into that. Or, or other topics. I, and maybe that's the, the common thread. I mean, it's probably more of a matrix uh, as we look at it, because we've, we've talked about upskilling and reskilling. We've talked about the imposter syndrome. Uh, we've, we've been talking about communication. So they all seem to, to flow in there. So we're, we're creating quite a, a library. So what I, I've got a number of things here. I, I kept writing them down. It's like, oh, that no, that's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. That's the takeaway. What was your takeaway, Jason? That was the same for me. I was jotting down a lot of notes. I promise everyone I was paying attention. But for me, the number one one that I would take away was when she talked about we need to get comfortable embracing conflict between old beliefs and new beliefs and how many times we are so quick to just dismiss new beliefs because the moment we feel that conflict with the schemas and the things that we already believe, we'll just dismiss it or we'll move on. And those are the opportunities when you can take it to the next level in terms of your growth and development is when you embrace the mental flexibility and the unlearning aspects of adaptability. That was a big takeaway for me. How about you? Yeah. Well, when it started, I wrote down be, no, do and, and how we don't work on the be part. We do that. We, we work on the no and the do part. And then shortly thereafter, she said, and I, and I said this during the show, the most difficult job you'll ever do is leading yourself um and and that that's oh that's the takeaway and then sometime later it was like if you want to tell somebody else that they weren't good enough why do you tell your why do you tell your own self yeah you know, i'm going to encourage others but no i couldn't do it why yep why why do you keep telling yourself why why do you like that self punishment i guess and there was many, many others, but unfortunately, we don't have time. So people have to go back and listen to this rather That's than right. coming to the end and find out, go to the last chapter and find out what the takeaways are. 
right? No Cliff Notes version here. Awesome. Well, uh, Googleization Nation, that is it for today's episode. We want to thank you for tuning in. If you have not uh, liked or followed the, the podcast, we'd love for you to do that on your favorite podcast platform. And also drop us a rating and review if you would be so kind. So until next time, I'm Jason Cochran signing off. And I'm Ira Wolf. Thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. And remember, don't let the shift hit your plans. <laughs>